We're going to be in John chapter number four this morning. John chapter number four. We sure appreciate you being in the house of the Lord. And if you came to the house of God today and you don't have your Bible, I want to encourage you to bring your Bible with you to church. It's so important to bring a Bible uh, that you know that we're a Bible preaching church. There's a lot of things that are accomplished through bringing your Bible to church. We're in the New Testament book of John, and when you find your place there, if you're able, please stand with us for the reading of God's Word. John chapter number 4. We're going to begin our reading in verse number 1. We're going to read down through verse number 18. I want you to try to uh, pay attention as we're reading. Read with comprehension. And we're going to try to get through this passage of Scripture this morning. In verse 1, it says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Galilee and departed, excuse me, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, Thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water, that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, and that saidst thou truly." This morning we're going to be preaching a message entitled, A Thirsty Soul. A Thirsty Soul. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we pray that you'd bless the preaching of thy word. Lord, we just pray that you'd work freely in the hearts of men. For those of us who are saved, Lord, I pray you'd encourage our hearts. Cause us to remember that day we received you and received this water. And for those who are not saved, Lord, we pray that today would be that day. When one would partake of the water of life. And never thirst again. We pray and we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. This, of course, is a story known in the scripture as the woman at the well. And this morning's reading is certainly a fascinating reading. 
It tells the story of Jesus Christ who went through an area often avoided by the Jews of the day so that he could meet a woman and offer her something she had never been offered before. Now in John chapter 4 and verse number 4, we read a profound verse. The scripture says, and he must needs go through Samaria. The reason that he needed to go through Samaria was because the need in Samaria was great. The need could not be met if he avoided Samaria. The whole area needed the message of salvation. And this woman that he met was no doubt a representative of all those who lived there. Sometimes we have visitors come to church and that visitor who lives in this area would be a representative of a lot of the people who would live in this area. This woman who he met at the well was no doubt a representative of how the people lived in this area, how the people thought in this area. And like Samaria, we can say this, every area needs Christ to go through. Every single area needs Jesus Christ to pass by. Now Samaria, as a city, was the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel. After Israel's fall, Samaria as a region was in the central area of what is known as the northern kingdom. And during the time of Christ, Samaria was located between Galilee to the north and Judea to the south. So this area was between Judea and Galilee. A normal Jew at this time disdained the Samaritans so much that instead of taking a three-day trip through Samaria, they would take a seven-day trip around it. They didn't want to step foot inside of Samaria. Now to explain this, you'd have to get into the origins of the Samaritans. And for just a few moments, we're going to consider where these people came from. This, they came from a people that you would have to go back to King Solomon, who ruled over the Israelites, and the unwise actions of his son Rehoboam in the 10th century led to a schism and a split between the northern and the southern kingdoms. Both of these kingdoms devolved into corruption and sin. And if you read through the Chronicles and Kings, you'd see that most kings didn't do that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Some of them did, but most of them did not. But both kingdoms devolved into this corruption and sin despite the repeated warnings from God's prophets. The northern kingdom of Israel fell to a, a group of people called the Assyrians. And many of the people of Israel were led off to Assyria as captives, but some remained in the land and they intermarried with foreigners that were planted there by the Assyrians. So these people had an imperfect pedigree in the minds of the Jews. Now you know if you study the Bible at all, that the Jews were a people who were proud of their father. Who was the father of the Jews? Well, in the Bible, you find the man who was called out of Ur of the Chaldees. His name was Abraham. His name first was Abram. And God told him to get up and get away from his people. And he would call him uh, to be a blessing to all the world. And from Abraham came Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was a spiritual seed or son of Abraham. Jesus Christ also came from the lineage of David, and David was of the lineage of Abraham. So the Jews had a pride in their pedigree. Some people even today have a pride from their pedigree, from what kind of family they came from. In fact, they look their nose down at other families that say, don't live like them. 
They're not culturally the same. They don't look like us. They don't act like us. And so what I'm describing today is a prejudice. A, go figure, a prejudice existed in the time of Christ where the Jews disdained other people. You say, be careful. You're touching on touchy cultural subjects. Listen, the Bible is as current as yesterday's newspaper. There's nothing that's going on today that wasn't going on in the Scripture and that Christ himself didn't have to deal with. So these Samaritans were already a mixed of spiritually corrupt Israelites and pagan foreigners. They created a religion for themselves that the Jews considered heresy. And so they didn't like them. These folks had their own place of worship that's talked about and touched about by this woman during this passage of Scripture. And so at this particular time, there was a great prejudice that the Jews had toward the Samaritans. So when this conversation begins, it is unavoidable to notice the social context. Number one, prejudice was prevalent between these two groups of people. These two groups of people typically avoided one another. Have you ever seen a group of people that you refuse to give a gospel tract to? Can I say to you, you have a problem. Now you don't have to say amen to that. It's fine. And I don't care if I'm in your pea patch. But don't send missionaries around the world to reach people with the gospel if you're not willing to give anybody in your local local restaurant a Bible track. You may have a problem with prejudice. I'm glad Jesus didn't have a problem with prejudice. I'm glad Jesus didn't come just so he could save the Jews. Because my family isn't Jewish. My mother came from Kaiserslautern, Germany. Ich liebe Deutsch. I'm not even allowed to say that in church without interpreting. That means I love German. My other ancestors came from Austria and Poland, and I can't say anything. One time my dad, when we ran over 300 in Sunday school, he agreed that he was going to sing Amazing Grace in Polish. What a blessing it was when I heard him sing that. Sounded horrible, and he probably mispronounced most of the words, but I was thankful that we had 300 people in Sunday school. It was a great blessing. You see the Samaritan woman's attitude in verse number 9 of John chapter 4. Jesus had asked her to give him a drink. And in verse 9 you see a bit of a picture appear into her attitude and the attitude of those that she had been exposed to in life. Verse 9, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. This is prejudicial treatment. She was just stating the truth. No Jewish man had ever talked to her before. What are you talking to me for? I mean, can you picture her attitude, ladies? I mean, some ladies have a gentle spirit, a kind spirit, a sweet spirit. You know, in the Old Testament, you remember Elijah rolls into town and the widow of Zarephath is there and he said, Hey, go fetch me a drink. And you find her going to fetch him a drink. Jesus asked this woman to give him a drink, and he didn't get that. He got a whole lot of salt. And he got a whole lot of attitude. What are you talking to me for? I mean, what a response toward the Savior, the giver of life. What a response. You're asking me to give you a drink? What are you doing talking to me? I'll tell you what Christ was doing talking to her. He loved her. It's probably the first man this woman had ever met that didn't want anything from her. Jesus didn't have prejudice. And Jesus still don't have prejudice. 
There's not a person in this room that Jesus didn't die for. Red and yellow, black and white, they're precious in His sight. If you came from Mexico, if you came from Canada, if you came from Africa, if you came from America, if you came from Austria, if you came from Germany, if you came from Australia, Christ died for you. And He wanted to go through your area. And in many cases, He used the mission works that we support to, to bring the gospel to these untouched areas with the gospel. Jesus had no prejudice. He saw the need and sought to meet the need. That's why He needed to go through this area that normal Jews wouldn't go through. The message of truth would certainly affect the Samaritans just as it would the Jews. Now we come to the discussion about water. Jesus, the giver of life and the very giver of water, had condescended to us. You know, Christ was God in the flesh. He was pre-existent, if you will. His beginnings didn't begin in Bethlehem. He was from old, from everlasting. The Bible says in John chapter 1 that nothing was made without the Word of God, Logos, Jesus Christ. That without Him was not anything made that was made. Jesus Christ was the Creator. We believe that. Man. And one of the things that He dealt with in life was being wearied. You ever been tired? Some of you are physically tired this morning. You maybe not, didn't get enough sleep. The other night I had something going on in my life and I, I wasn't supposed to get up until 4 o'clock in the morning and I got up at 2.45 because I couldn't, couldn't sleep. You ever been weary? You ever been weary during a service? I mean, one time the pastor called me in the middle of the day because the Detroit Lions had scored a touchdown on the Minnesota Vikings to beat them. Trust me, it was miraculous. The Lions don't beat anybody. But he said, did I catch you napping? And I said, no, I'm saving that for the evening service. You know? <laughs> and some of you are like the same thing. You know, you catch you nodding off in the middle of service. You know, I try to do my best to keep your attention. But hey, that's, that's what's going on. But we know that Christ, when he asked this woman to get him a drink, he was weary as he sat upon the well. If you're ever tired... If you're ever going through something where you just feel like you're physically spent, know this, that the Lord, as your mediator, as your friend, wants to hear your voice. We know that we have a God who, Jesus Christ can't be, He's not someone who wasn't touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He was tempted in all points like we were, yet He was without sin. So when we get tired, when we get weary, when we need to sit down because we're just so physically spent, know this, Jesus knows how you feel. And so he comes to this decision that he begins to talk to this lady about water. He says, give me to drink at the end of verse number 7. And his response to the woman when she said, what are you doing talking to me was, you know, maybe if you knew who I was, and maybe you, if you knew, you know, what kind of water I could offer, you would have asked me for a drink, and if I gave you this living water, you'd never thirst again. And so the first thing that she begins to think is, how could you offer me any water? You don't even have anything to draw with. You see, there's a, there's a discussion here about the spiritual and the physical, and it takes this woman some time to actually understand. Christ isn't talking to her about quenching her thirst. Now, there are some likenesses to the grace of God when it comes to water. You know, water is necessary for life. Some of you young people may not know this, but life is not made up of Mountain Dew and Coke. Okay? You need water to survive. 
This morning, I only had a bit of a smidge of water. All the other water that I had was poured in my Keurig coffee pot before I had a wonderful cup of smoking hot black coffee. Not exactly water, but still good for you. Number one, when you deal with water, first it's thirst removing, and so is the grace of God. The man who drinks water thirsts not, as one preacher put it, for his bodily want is removed. I had a man tell me once, he was a a roofer, and he said it's better to drink warm water than cold water. I thought, well, how in the world could you say that? He he was saying how that your body processes water, and your body takes time to warm up cold water when you drink it. So if you drink warm water, he was saying it was better for your body. I think that was more opinion than, than fact, but... What I know is this, that there have been some times when I've been incredibly thirsty. I used to work on roofs in my younger days, and I'd get up there, and you know, when it's 95 to 100 degrees on a roof, especially if the roof is dark, a black roof, and that sun is beating down on top of you, after just a few hours, you can get so dehydrated where you actually could die. Your body needs water to survive. And so, you know, water is thirst removing, so is the grace of God. One, one preacher put it this way, that the man who receives the grace of God in his heart gets that which his nature is wanting and his painful longings are over. Man by nature is so foolish that he doesn't even want or know what his nature wants. But he feels like he wants something. Awakened men talk to themselves in this fashion. I want, I don't know what I want, but I know I want something which the world cannot give, which I cannot find within myself which my fellow men cannot bestow upon me. I want something. Oh God, what is it? There's many times people run through life and that running through life produce a thirst. And that thirst cannot be quenched by any man or anything or any relationship outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. Water also preserves life. Not only does it quench thirst, it preserves our life. If you go certain days without water, death will seize upon you. We've seen stories, there's a, a show on television called I Survived. And they give stories of heroism and other people who were trapped inside of rocks as they hiked and their hand got trapped in between rocks that had moved during their hike. And just after a few days, they were reaching the point of death because they had run out of water. Without water, you will not survive. Water also cleanses. Some of you, and uh, especially as we, we deal with uh, our younger generation, sometimes we have to deal with our youth about what, something we call hygiene. Have you ever tra- traveled in a 15-passenger in a, in a van with a bunch of teenage boys who didn't understand properly what the word hygiene meant? Or perhaps something happened between the ages of 12 and 13 that causes certain areas of their body, areas like their feet, to have a certain stench. One time I made the foolish decision while traveling with my basketball team to try to smell what was wrong in my room. And foolishly, I put someone's shoe up to my face and I almost passed out because of how terrible it was. His shoes belonged to a man named Joseph and I will not give his last name. I said, Joseph, take these shoes outside, put them underneath the van and never let me see them again. Those shoes needed to be thrown away. Years ago, my wife and I had a a part-time position in St. Louis, Missouri, and we would go down to a place that would grind up all the leftover fish where they would produce something called fish meal. It was such a fine dust that it would get into the pores of our skin. 
And when my wife had to go down there and get this job done, we were collecting samples and watching trucks being loaded with it. When she would come home, she had a particular stench to her flesh. And she would always so thoroughly enjoy, because I had asked her to do that, uh, to come home and try to give me a kiss when she first came home. And I said, please, go get all that stuff off of you uh, before you before you kiss me. You know, my, sometimes my son who works at a grocery store, he says, I smell like chicken. Because he's been around people who have been cooking chicken. And sometimes you just get that, the grease somehow gets on you. You know, water has a cleansing ability. My father-in-law used to work on cars, and he was a great mechanic. And I remember that, you know, water was the only real help to get the grease off of his hands. As much as he used some of those hand cleaners that you would get from AutoZone and places like that, he needed a running, flowing source of water in order to clean you. You know, the water that Christ offers takes away the sin and the associated guilt that comes with it. You know, Christ and water are likened to each other. Water also softens certain things, certain things that need to be hydrated again. You know, just this week I had, you know, a a run-in with a a sponge that needed to be rehydrated. You know, I came back to the mission house and the sponge was nice and hard. I couldn't wash anything with it. You know what I was trying to do? I was trying to prepare the vessel that would receive my coffee. Because I had left a coffee cup last week and it had some stains at the bottom. And in order to use that sponge, I had to rehydrate it. I had to run water over it. And it turned it into something that was very pliable. You know, when I picked up the, the, this sponge, it wasn't pliable at all. You know, sometimes preachers have to understand that they don't have the ability in themselves to soften the stony hearts of men and women. I certainly don't. But we do preach a gospel that works wonders. Sometimes when we preach a gospel, it's, it preach the gospel, the water of the gospel flows over the heart or a, sto- a stony heart of a man, and it begins to become pliable and soft. It's just like when we preached about Saul a few weeks ago, who, who he was on his way to persecute those who are a part of the Lord's church. Now he's seeking after their souls and trying to win people to Christ. That's what the water of God does. Another thing water does is quenches fires. Several weeks ago, I was a part of a uh, a fire class. It was a citizen's fire academy where I was able to, you know, shoot fire hoses just the way a fireman would. You know, the purpose of me doing this fire academy was not so that I could become a fireman, but I certainly wanted to get to know the firemen in my town. They may have to serve me one day in a moment of first responder type situations. I appreciate our firemen. Don't you? But I was able to go through this 13-week course where they were teaching us how to shoot these fire hoses and just a one-inch fire line controlled me. I had to have somebody, a large man behind me, when they turned that water hose on from the, uh, from, from the fire hydrant, it was, it was pulling me everywhere as if I was a rag doll. And I was thankful for the guy behind me. You know, sometimes it takes a team to fight a fire. But I thank God that water is fire quenching. Not, nothing works better to put out a fire than water. I thank God that the grace of God, when it rolls over a man, many times the heart is like a fire that has a deep burning within A fire that burns, sometimes it has a desire for sin. Some of our young people are now getting into this season of life where what the Bible says is flee youthful lusts. But there's not a man in this room who doesn't understand what lust is. And there's not a woman in this room who doesn't understand what lust is. And sometimes that fire of lust, it burns, but God can take that fire and put it out. And I thank the Lord for the grace of God. 
Many men and women have wondered, is it possible that I should live without this fire inside of my heart, this fire to do evil? Many men and women feel hopeless to quench the fire within their soul for this sin that has defeated them so many times. Have you ever met somebody who was under the complete control of a sin and they wondered if it was even possible to ever be free of it? You ever met somebody like that? I had a man one time come to me at the jail. He is a guy who had no hair at all. He had his head shaved. He was a skinny guy, probably about six foot two. He put his hand on my chest and he said, Would you pray for me? He said, I'm hooked on heroin and I can't stop. Now while I do not know the power of heroin, and I pray that none of you ever know the power of heroin, I know a God that has control who can help someone get clear of that. A lot of times, and there's a lot of things going on in our culture today, things like fentanyl, which is in all of our, our cities now. Fentanyl is being smuggled over here. And sometimes people think they're taking a pain pill and they're actually taking fentanyl, and before they even know it, they're hooked on it. Young people, don't ever put something in your body and you don't know what it is. I want you to say no to drugs. Drugs will kill you and hurt you. And by the way, when you put something in your mouth like fentanyl, you never know what it has. And many people have gone out into eternity because they put a pill in their mouth and they didn't know what it was. Don't do it. It's the devil's trick to destroy you. And if you have any love for our young people, I could use some help when I'm preaching on drugs. A saved man once gave a testimony that he owed his conversion in early life to hearing a sentence or two of a sermon from a man whose name he never knew, but whom he heard preach standing on a log of wood on a village green. He had never gone to listen to the gospel anywhere, but happened to be straying through a village and heard a man say that there was never a soul that sincerely sought God through Christ, but what ultimately, sooner or later, it was brought into a state of peace. I want to say this to you today, friend, that no sincerely seeking sinner has ever found that Christ would refuse them. Did ever saint find this friend forsake him? No, not one. No, not one. Or sinner find that he would not take him? No, not one. No, not one. You don't come to the Lord and the Lord says, nope, I'm not taking you. Our Christ takes everyone. Our Christ will take you when you're in the midst of sin. Our Christ will take you when your life is so messed up that nobody can put it back together. Christ will take you right there. He doesn't tell you to clean yourself up and then come to me. He'll clean you up when he saves you. One preacher commended his listeners to pray the prayer of this text. The prayer of this text in John chapter number 4, where she said in verse number 15, she said, Sir, give me this water. But the preacher who commended his listeners to pray the prayer of this text said, Just don't call Christ, Sir. Call Him Lord. Doing business with God is a personal thing, not a church-wide or a family-wide thing. You don't think of your neighbors when you come to hear a gospel message. You think of yourself. Because it's you and God that are doing business Praying to God in the matter of salvation is always to have Him save you, not tomorrow, not some other day, but right now. 
God's saving grace and life-giving water doesn't come, come upon the soul who wants to just call out to God on death's door, give Satan his entire life, and just get out, of, get out of hell for free at the end when he lives his life for himself and just does whatever he wants. And maybe I'll have a deathbed experience. Let me ask you a question. How do you even know you're going to be in your right mind on your deathbed? How do you know that you're even going to be cognitively available or, or, or able to... to, to To call upon Christ by way of salvation for those who are putting it off till another day, some more convenient day. What a terrible thing that men could think. That they would love to be saved, but it must be at the moment of death. That they would serve themselves and the devil all their life and then somehow cheat the devil of their soul at the very last moment. One preacher said it this way, if God be God, serve him and serve him now. And the Lord, and may the Lord have us. May the Lord have our lives in this life as we hope that he would have us in our death. So my question today is, would you partake of the water of life freely today? Considering this woman, she came to this well seeking physical water. She would need this water. What did people need water for? You know, they didn't have running water. We, a lot of times, you kids that live in America, you have absolutely no idea what it's like to live in another country when you don't have everything that you have here. So when you listen to these talking heads on Instagram and Facebook and the news who are telling you how bad you have it here in America, let me take you to a foreign country and show you what it's really like to live with your whole family in a one-bedroom house and with no running water. And there are some people who are in this room who understood and could even tell you what it was like not to have running water when they grew up. They had to go to the bathroom in an outhouse. They had to go over to a a hand pump for a well and carry their water inside. This is what they had to do in Bible times. It was hard trying to get water. Water was something that they needed for all of their lives. This woman came looking for a, a physical water, but You know, she needed this water for her physical life, going to the bathroom, drinking or cooking or washing. You know, she needed this water. But Christ saw that her spiritual needs were greater than her physical needs. Do you realize today that the greatest need of a man's soul is not water? It's Christ. The greatest need that you have is to be saved by the grace of God. More than you need money. And there are people who are out there today that say, if I, just had, if I just had money, if I just won the lottery, may I say to you, friend, that those people that hold up those lotto tickets and they've won all that money have probably just sealed their faith that they will never go to heaven? As the Bible says hardly that a rich man will enter into the kingdom of heaven. You know, it's, talk, it's the difference between spiritual eyes and physical eyes. Money doesn't solve people's problems. And as a matter of fact, there's a lot of people who money is the very source of their problems. And you can give them as much money as you ever want, and it'll never solve their problems because they are who they are. I heard a man say once, I'm going to leave my marriage, and I'm going to go over here. And I said, you know what? You're going to have the same problems in your next relationship. You know why? Because you will be there. I'm just trying to be honest, folks. Some people's problem is not that they don't have enough money. Some people's problem is they just need to get saved. You need the Lord. This woman's life was filled with misery and woe, and we're probably going to cut this message down today. I'm going to have to. Let me ask you a question. This woman, the Bible said, when Jesus said to go get your husband, she said, I don't have a husband. He said, that's right, you don't have a husband. You've had five. And the person you're with now, you're not even married to him. Now, my words and the time that I have left would not be able to describe to you how much baggage this woman would have. How much difficulty 
she's had to go through. Unhappiness, unfulfillment, a hole in her soul. An emptiness that no man was ever able to fill and a thirst that no man would have been ever able to quench. All the relationships that she had never led her to fulfillment. All the relationships she had were broken and now she's not even trying to do things the right way. Can I say to you, friend, that if you've ever been tossed to the curb and thrown away as if you were nothing, Jesus cares for you? That happened to this woman five times. A man in this society Five different times said, I don't want you anymore. You know the hurt that exists inside of a soul of even a man who's been rejected, but much less, I'm talking, the Bible talks about ladies being the weaker vessel. She had been rejected so hard, so fiercely, five different times that her heart, no doubt, was so hardened. Is there any hope for her? Can I say to you, friend, I don't care how bad your life is messed up, neither does Jesus. He loves you. And he says something later in the passage about the harvest being white already. Christians were late getting her out of the ground. Should have got her when she was younger. And we'll get into that in a few weeks. But all I can tell you is this. Jesus cares about people who have problems with sin. He cares about people who've been divorced. He cares about people who've been rejected. He cares about people who have problems with sin. you got a sin problem? Join the club. There's not a person in this room who doesn't have a sin problem today. Jesus Christ loves you. And when the Bible said that he needed to go through Samaria, I want to tell you something. Jesus probably needed to come through Fort Worth for some of you. And if God's working in your heart and you know that you need to be saved, I'm inviting you to come during this invitation. This woman wanted physical water when she came to the well and she met the water of life. You know what Jesus said? If you take my water... You'll never thirst again. I want to tell you from the matter of salvation, when Jesus quenches your thirst, that's a well you can keep drawing from. I've always been able to go back to that church on 10 Mile Road in Warren, Michigan, where I received the Lord as my personal Lord and Savior. That well never runs dry. Jesus gave me water that was in my life, and I've never, I've never had a thirst from that water. That water quenched the, the thirst in my soul by the way of salvation, and God gave me a salvation, and now there's, there's water that flows from the inside of my being. You know why? Because I partook of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever partaken of the Lord Jesus Christ today? Have you ever been saved by the grace of God? If you died today, do you know for sure that you're going to heaven when you died? Have you ever received by faith The message of the gospel, that Jesus Christ died in your place, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day for your sins so that you could be saved, so that when you die, you can go to heaven when you die. Have you ever received the message of the gospel by faith? Let me ask you this. When we talk about the water of life, could you say, yes, preacher, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I have partaken of the Lord. I can take you to the time. I can tell you the place where the Lord saved me by his wonderful grace if you can't. I want to invite you to be saved today. And if you are saved, I want to encourage you today. As we're preaching the messages of the cross and of salvation, it ought to thrill your heart that one day you came to the Lord and you took a a drink of that water. There's a song in the book, and I I think it's called Satisfied. And, And I think the first verse of the song says something like, All my life long I had thirsted for a drink from some cold spring that I hope would quench the burden 
that, uh, 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 of my soul that thirsted within. And the chorus says, Hallelujah, I have found him whom my soul so long has craved. Jesus satisfies my longing. From it, for, by his blood, I now am saved. You know, are you a satisfied customer with the Lord Jesus? Has he satisfied the need of your soul? If you're sitting here today and you're empty and you don't know God, I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care if you're dressed right. I don't care if you carried a Bible in. If you don't know the Lord is your Savior, let today be that day when Christ satisfies you with the water of life. Let's stand together as we have our musicians come. The gospel touches the young, the old. It touches the middle-aged. Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me. This woman was married five times. She wasn't a little child anymore. And she got saved in this passage of scripture. There could be somebody today and your heart is hurting so bad and nobody can see it. And you just need to come down to the altar and let it loose. You might have been dealing with feelings of rejection. You, you may be lost today. You may just want to break out and say, you know what? Today is the day I'm going to be saved right now today. I don't want to deal with the burden of sin anymore. If that's your story, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around. If God has worked this in your heart, and He's drawing you to salvation, would you be saved today? Would you come to the Lord? And there could be a Christian here today, and you're dealing with rejection, you're dealing with difficulty. You say, you know what, it's just been good for me to be in church, and I'm thankful that God satisfied the need of my soul. But I've had these other burdens and I want to lay them down before the feet of the Savior. I want to tell you something. Jesus is the answer. He's the answer to our problems. He's the answer to the things going on in our families. God spoke to your heart. As just Brother John sings this number. With your heads bowed and eyes closed. If God spoke to you. I want you to step out. Somebody will be down here. I'll come and help you. We'll call someone to help you. Won't you come? If you need to come, God spoke to your heart. Come on. If you need to pray for someone who's lost, a family member, for your family, our children, oh God, help us. These others have come. But you, young person, I'm not saved, Pastor, would you? We're praying for you young person. We're praying for you, kid. We're pulling for you. We're trying to pull you out of that fire. Pull you out of the world. How about you, sir? Pastor, I'm not living for God. I need to get some things right in my life. Christ is inviting you to get some things right today. Won't you come? Never took the water of life, Pastor. Jesus offers it to you. If you need to be saved, come on. You won't find that the Lord will turn you away. He never turns away a repentant sinner. May God have His way in your heart to the preached Word. As we sing.
If you're not saved here today and you're still listening to me, I want to let you know I've prayed for you today. I may not know your name. God does. You've been prayed for. You're loved. The invitation is never closed. I do hope that if you're lost, that you won't get any rest until you get saved. Don't let these days when the Lord's working on your heart pass you by. Sir, let God have his way in your family. Ma'am, work with the Lord while he's working with you. God wants to work miracles and do great things in our lives. Let's not prevent him from doing that. Those who are calling out to God, may God have his way. submitted for baptism. You've been saved, but you've never been scripturally baptized. I want to invite you to come. If you want to learn more about baptism, you need to come and present yourself to the church. Maybe there's somebody who needs to get something right during this last verse of invitation. If God said for you to do something, you'll be all the better for it if you just do it. Let's sing this verse together. If no one else comes, we'll close. said thank you for coming today we pray that you've been blessed by being around the house of god we want to invite you to come back tonight at uh, six o'clock for our evening service Uh, we'll be uh, dealing with uh, a very important subject tonight as we uh, come to the lord's house and there's also some other things we need to discuss with the church and ask for prayer about we've been praying in our men's prayer group in the mornings Uh, about just certain things about our vision and the things that we want to get accomplished here. You'd want to be here tonight if you can be uh, tonight at 6 o'clock. Thank you again for visiting with us. We're going to call on Brother Bob Prebick to dismiss the service in prayer, please.